and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, before I introduce my guest this week, uh, just want to say once again, please do subscribe to the channel, won't you? Uh, we have 112,000 subscribers now. That's brilliant. But we always want more. And so basically, you just go to the subscribe button and click on that. It's free. <clears throat> and then next door to it, there's one uh, which is like a little blue bell. And if you click on that, then uh, you will get notifications of all of our programs as they come up. So uh, please do subscribe, won't you? Now, my guest today was last on our program about a year ago. David Starkey is one of our best-known historians and the author of numerous books. I'm very pleased he's with us now, David. Um, David, I think this is the first interview you've done. You, you were interviewed by The Telegraph last That's time. correct. Yeah. This is the, first the, the oldest interview. mainstream media, yes. Yes. <laughs> I think this is the first. Not to say decrepit. Yes. Right. Um, obviously, you know, lots happened in the past year, but how is life for you at the moment? Oh, life is fine. Um, remember, people think that things like cancellation are tremendously uh, devastating. Well, the actual day or two were, was very unpleasant. Uh, but they somehow assume that uh, it's the equivalent of a plague cross put upon you, that you know you become a social pariah. Nothing could be further, well, at least in my case, mm. nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, a single person that I'd have sort of called a friend said, ugh. Right. Um, and he was... Uh, a rather typical rich man who wanted somebody amusing, you know, on holiday company and that kind of thing. So that was nothing very terrible. Um, there were aspects of it that fill me with horror, which not personal horror, but institutional horror. The fact that learned bodies, for which, which I've been a very distinguished member for a long period of time, drop you on ex entirely extraneous grounds. Mm. That something like the Royal Historical Society uh, decides that uh, a minor view on what is the right language to use about blacks is more important than 50 years of scholarship. Mm. That one's Cambridge College does the same. Mm. This is wholly destructive of any notion of scholarship. It is wholly destructive of institutions because it breaks that Burkean bond of generations of you go there as a student, you become a distinguished member, you become rich, you leave more money, which further endows the institution. You rupture mm. all of that. Mm -hmm. You break it. And you break it for what? Feeling good. It's, I think, frankly, it's contemptible. It's no accident that several of the individuals involved, like Dame, no, she's even grander, the Baroness uh, Sally Morgan of Fitzwilliam College, they're new Labour apparatchiks. Mm. They're people of absolutely no intellectual distinction, no scholarship, no originality. They are simply mental policemen. But, you know, this is dangerous. This is Cambridge. Mm. Cambridge. Um, we have a vice chancellor. I say we. Wonderful. I'm liberated. I've got, to, I've got to break that habit. I'm no longer. I was there. I'm not there anymore. It's absolutely marvellous. You know, rewriting one's will was a 
leisure. There was a moment when I thought of, it'd be quite a lot, of leaving it entirely to a cat's home on the ground that I hate cats. Mm. Um, but I was a little wiser. Um, but, but, but Cambridge, under its current vice chancellor, the very appropriately named Toop, who for some reason or another uh, was regarded as being promotional to Cambridge after having been the vice chancellor of the University of British Columbia, mm. um, has presided over this regime which prioritizes the alleged feelings of minority groups. Mm. Now, so Cambridge lies at the heart of the intellectual adventure of the last 500 years. Um, Cambridge coming to prominence, it does literally 500 years ago, it's a complete second string to Oxford until the Tudor period, until my own, until my own period. And I find something very frightening that this institution, you know, famously Trinity College with more Nobel Prizes than the whole of France, leads the charge in the reverse direction. Mm. Up to this year, and with the odd blip here and there, um, I would have thought of my life, and indeed of our society, as one of broadening freedom. Mm. There's a sudden sense of reversal. Um, I don't know whether I said it when I appeared on this program. I think I probably did. In other words, um, immediately in the aftermath of first lockdown, at the onset of COVID, I think I said, did I not? Uh, you have a good memory, you may remember. Um, a Chinese virus, a Chinese society. Mm. And that's what we're doing. And we're we're, we're reversing, it's quite extraordinary, we are reversing values. Um, and, uh, and we're doing it, of course, at the moment of the most desperate danger. That the only thing that we have faced with a China, faced with India, we're a tiny little place, a dot, is that originality, that creativity, that mental adventurism but made us for some hundred years, hundred, yeah. some, some hundreds of years, the cutting edge of this astonishing post-Reformation, post-Renaissance world. Mm. But we're throwing it away. We're, it's quite extraordinary. It's, it's, you know, there's a famous model to the castle of Loche or Chinon under Louis XI, where unwanted ministers were locked up in iron cages. We're going into an iron cage voluntarily. We're closing the door. We're turning the locks ourselves and throwing the keys away. It's great, it's great being old. Um, you don't really care. I mean, if lots of these nice young people choose to commit intellectual and political suicide, economic suicide, well, fine. So long as one's, so long as one's investments last, who cares? When this thing happened last year, I mean, uh, you uh, have said you, I think your mother once said, you know, your tongue will get you into trouble. Mm. I think you, you said that on this show when you were yeah. on before. Um, but uh, were you surprised? I think I was, uh, let's, let's, let's just investigate that. Um, 
it, of course, did finally get me into trouble, but equally it was the entire making of my previous career. Mm. This is the point that I'm trying to get about the astonishing reversal that the, uh, remember, all human progress depends on naysaying. All human progress depends on the, my favorite image as a child was the boy who says the emperor has no clothes. It all progress is somebody being a nonconformist. And I was brought up in a great nonconformist tradition of Quakerism. Um, uh, I was uh, brought up within a university environment that valued originality, uh, that prized critique, that prized debate. And I was, of course, extremely good at it. And because alongside scholarship, I have a certain vulgar flair for language, um, one acquired notoriety and, 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 and deployed it. So my mother was both absolutely right and absolutely wrong. Um, in the opening world of the 60s, you know, that, that the genuine period of liberation, the, 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 the breaking down of barriers of speech, of behavior, of dress, of social class and whatever, um, my, sort of, uh, my sort of iconoclasm uh, was the basis of an astonishingly successful career. Um, I haven't changed. Mm. Society has. So eventually, of course, you know, the mother's curse catches up with you. By the way, I should make a very important point. She was equally the person who gave me the confidence that enabled me to both ride success and to ride the challenge mm. to success. You know, I haven't, haven't, uh, as it were, uh, retreated weeping. I mean, you read of many people who are whatever, who've, who've undergone similar processes, nervous breakdowns, gibbering wrecks, petitioning for forgiveness uh, on their knees, begging to be let back on Twitter. Je m'en fous. You, I mean, we should explain actually for people who, I, I'm sure most people would know, but we've got a lot of viewers in America, for example, mm -hmm. as well. But it was a particular phrase you used. Yeah, to, um, to... Um, uh, I was dealing with the, uh, again, when it's this, this the, the, the fact now that just appalls me is a competition for victimhood. Mm. And I was born, let me play the victim, right? Shall I play the victim? I was born um, with two club feet, with polio, I turn out to be gay, acutely short-sighted, all right? Shall, shall we continue, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I've got a brain. Um, poor, outsider, bizarre religious group, perfect victim card. I've always despised victimhood. Um, I belong to that generation that was product of the 45 Education Act, of the grammar school, that what you had to do, you simply had to do best. Mm. Nobody was going to let you in because you came from outside the elite, because you hadn't been to public school. You would get there if you were better. And jolly good thing too. Mm. It forces you requires you to do things. We've reversed again all of this, and there is now this cultivation of victimhood. And there's a most wonderful phrase. Um, uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, great inventors of the idea of victimhood uh, was, of course, nationalist Ireland. And there was the, fa are you familiar with the, with the, the phenomenon of mope? No. The phenomenon of mope is most oppressed people ever. 
Right. And the idea was, because of the wickedness of the British and the wickedness of the British Empire, the Irish were the most oppressed right. Right. people ever. And unfortunately now we have this intense competition to be the most oppressed people ever. You'll find everywhere, I mean, the latest version of it is with some inane comment from Dame Jenny Murray or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. given a damehood for sitting in front of a microphone and boring the world on women for 40 years, um, um, that, that, that the British Empire effectively is to be our our um, our our Holocaust, uh, and that whereas Germany has come to terms with its history, we have not. Uh, and the 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 issue that I was addressing was: is slavery a, um, a Holocaust? Um, is it is is it a deliberate act of genocide? Because that is the claim of the left. In the, you, saw, you remember the famous debate, um, what's now famous debate, wasn't a debate, um, panel denunciation of Churchill at Churchill College, directly on the other side of the road. Just recently. My, just, re just recently. Um, uh, Kahindi Andrews, this extraordinary pseudo-professor of black studies, again makes this claim. Uh, the constant talk of of white empire as holocaust i mean he was particularly uh, and and uh, 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 and and as genocide he was particularly talking about uh, in extraordinarily unintelligible terms about what happens with the spanish conquest of latin america and what i was saying was and i said it very badly uh, for once i mean i'm normally eloquent and I'm normally clear and I, my grammar is good and I put, put things and I remember what I'm saying. Uh, I said something really stupid. What I intended to say was, of course, um, it couldn't, of course, at uh, least the slavery uh, that's associated with the British Empire and the British colonies couldn't have been a Holocaust because what I intended to say, there were so many blacks in America, uh, uh, North America, in, 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 in the United States and in Britain. And instead, my tongue slipped and I said so many damn blacks. And you know what? I was even more stupid. I, I said actually in Africa rather than America. This is the sort of idiot thing that is liable to happen in this. Um, uh, without some elementary procedure of editing, it was it was stupid. It was badly expressed. Um, it, I can I can remember the moment of saying it, but it was sort of you know six in the evening. Mm. Uh, we were going over time. I was desperate for a drink. I had a mental note. One really should clip that. Mm. And then you had a very very inexperienced presenter who uh, uh, didn't spot the problem. And of course, it was the height of the fever of Black Lives Matter. You know, the Black Lives Matter in Britain is the most ludicrous, preposterous, imitative thing. The, 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 the way in which uh, we took an utterly extraneous event mm. and it generated in purely, purely imitative behaviour. I mean, it is one of the problems with, with Britain and America. Because we do share a language, you get this sort of what I would call a kind of cultural infection. Um, and um, I think one of the great problems with, that has happened in race relations in this country, which are of an entirely different order, slavery, is, slavery has never had a fully legal status in Britain. We have never had um, a kind of neo-apartheid. We, we have never had a color bar formally. None of those things have ever existed here. The, the history is radically different. But of course, the tendency, and particularly you know, if you're an activist black politician, is to yeah. look to what's going on in America. Yeah. 
Um, and, 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 and again, we pay ludicrous amounts of attention to American presidential elections. I mean, we really do. That's sort of increased, hasn't it, in recent yes, years? Yes, very much. To the point where it's almost, um, American elections are almost covered with the same intensity as British ones. It's extraordinary. I think that our current British political class is infatuated with America, maybe wants to be that maybe wants to be what they see on yes, House of Cards. Yes, and, and you, I mean, the, again, you know, the, the, the strength of feelings that people had about Trump, I mm. mean, preposterous. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. I mean, first of all, um, uh, you know, the American, the American Constitution coped with Trump without even sort of, you know, raising an eyebrow, if mm. you like. The, 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 the founding fathers were perfectly aware that you could have a demagogic president. Mm. Um, what actually a demagogic, pres- demagogic president can do without the vote of Congress is very, very little. I mean, he, he can posture, he can tweet a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's about it. But it, but it is, I, th- I think, particularly in the area of, of race relations, the, uh, the uh, imitation of America has been profoundly and deeply damaging, mm. profoundly and deeply damaging. Uh, and of course, all of these things damage those who are adopted um, uh, and and uh, in a fashion which which I find distressing mm-hmm. you see we we are very, we are completely different I mean you, you were doing an advertisement for the program let me do a little advertisement for the organ the organ that has uh, enabled me to uh, uh, play a, a very tiny part in public debate over the last year which is the critic yes. uh, I've just written um, my regular column there and it uh, I think it comes out next week. Uh, <laughs> press the button. Um, uh, it comes out next week. And this one is about the fact that we are a mongrel culture. The peculiar thing about Britain, England, it's really England, is we are a conquered country. We are post-colonial from the very beginning because we were conquered by the Normans. Mm. And we have alone, really, a completely mongrel language. There's no such thing as pure English um, because it's a fusion of a Germanic structure and a Latin and French vocabulary. And it comes into being at a particular moment. Very, very, it's a very recent language in its modern form. It only goes back to about 1400. Mm. Um, so when Shakespeare writes it, it's barely 150 years old. It's utterly astonishing, this, this speed of development. Now, this has fundamental consequences. It means we don't do what the French do. Mm. You can't have that notion of a pure culture. You can't have that notion of an academy which holds you to account on grounds of linguistic purity. You can't have the kind of campaigns about uh, laicite, about French values that they do in France. Um, And this means we we, 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 we have been able, I think, to have a very important reaction in the modern post-colonial world because we are post-colonial ourselves. Mm. We were always multicultural. Mm. We were all, we were, we have, we have by definition a, a peculiar adaptability in this area. I don't think there's any accident about, as I said, our success in the post-colonial world. Um, um, it's built into the peculiar structures of English and British history. And it's even more reinforced with the way in which we um, uh, we became Great Britain, with the uh, union with Scotland, 
What everybody forgets is, because of course the Scott Nats, again, the victimhood, you know, victims of English colonialism, absolutely rubbish. Uh, the agreement between England and Scotland in 1707 is an agreement of two sovereign states. And But what you leave, what Scotland keeps in 1707 is every aspect of an independent, distinct society apart from a parliament. Mm. You keep your own currency, sort of, at least your right to issue your own currency. You keep a separate legal system. You keep a separate church, which the monarch joins when they cross the border. The monarch actually changes religion. You keep a separate court. You keep a separate heraldic system. You know, extraordinary. Mm, mm. Uh, and this, of course, is why uh, the way that the Blair's government did, uh, did, 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 did devolution was so catastrophic. The only official as it were, point at which Scotland and England actually came together was in Parliament. Mm -hmm. So when you create a separate Scottish Parliament, uh, you rupture the central part of that bond of union. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, but what I'm trying to say is we were always multi-ethnic. Mm -hmm. um, there was this very, very unsuccessful attempt in the 18th century at creating a single British identity. It never got anywhere. Mm -hmm. The monarchy itself sponsors separate titles, identities for members of the family in England, in Scotland, in Ireland, and increasingly in Wales. Um, the first international games, I'm no sportsman, as you know, but the first internationals are fought between England and Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the very idea, in other words, this, 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 these multiple layers of identities are pioneered here. Um, and uh, this is, this is comp you see, if you look at the contrast with that in America from many one, the mm. emphasis on um, uh, a, 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 sing a single stream, the increasing use, which we've seen in the last 40, 50 years, of the Supreme Court to override state rights and to impose a mm. particular, um, uh, a, a particular worldview on this infinitely diverse culture. Um, with, I think, catastrophic results. Our history is so radically different. We don't have a single system of education. We very quickly abandoned any, we are one of the first countries to abandon uh, any attempt at uh, the, the creation of, of, of a single dominant, uh, dominant religion and so on. Um, and all this makes, me, makes us, I think, if we hadn't had the, all the things that you and I have been wringing our hands about, we are in such an advantaged position. Mm -hmm. We could have been. It's, it's, you know, I was saying, I was being a little bit flippant, I do care. Of course I care. Mm. But it's enough to weep over. Yes. Because there is just, just there, providing we stop following the wrong models, mm. providing we stop, you know, that wonderful phrase, whoring after false gods. Mm. You you were saying you know this this obsession with America and the, and, and indeed you know the the history of uh, race relations in America is quite different to here, but the thing that started the problem was not really related to that, was it, David? It was actually it was about something else. It was about your um, your your explaining about genocide and slavery. But it is all part of the same thing. It's a competition for the most victim status. Right. 
Right. That's what it's about. Right. Um, the, as I said, and you, you see this repeatedly, there is the, there is the attempt at claim. What, right, let me put it in very different, let me put it in as simple terms as possible. What is the, the, the nature of the left's attack on Britain at the moment is to claim that the British Empire is the equivalent of the Nazis, that its wrongs are as great as the Nazis, that they require equivalent atonement, that, the, that specifically the element of slavery in the British Empire is the equivalent of the Jewish genocide, and that therefore we require a similar uh, abnegation about our history, a renunciation of it, mm -hmm. to the Germans. Mm -hmm. Now, all of those seem to me to be utter mm -hmm. rubbish, mm -hmm. utter and complete and dangerous rubbish. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, equally what the left has done is to reject any notion of objective truth. Mm -hmm. The reason that it is absurd, and you know, every every. BBC producer talks in these terms. I just mentioned Jenny Murray. There was somebody yes. who'd, somebody who'd been, um, uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, a Today producer. Again, going on about, oh, the empire is the equivalent of genocide and whatever. Um, um, it is objectively not true. Mm -hmm. I think that was this week, wasn't it, with Jenny Murray? She, yes. She made, yeah. these, she made these points. Uh, oh, which are, which empire, are a disgrace and a scandal. Mm. I mean, sorry, uh, she's, you know, she, she, she's well-loved and all the rest of it, but it's intellectually slovenly, it's a corruption of language, and frankly, it's a disgrace. Because, and the reason it's a disgrace is because the there is an objective test of these. Mm -hmm. Six million Jews are killed deliberately. Mm -hmm. Deliberately, with a machine of death, mm -hmm. right? You know, that is not in dispute. There is no, not even, a thousandth part of one percent of an equivalent of that. Mm. And so, but, but, but what the left has done is to reject the notion of, ob of objective truth. This is the catastrophe of what is going on at the moment, mm. that everything is point of view or felt experience. No, it's not. I mean, it, it again begins with the Lawrence inquiry, mm. where, you know, um, an act of race, uh, it's a racist act if somebody feels that it's a racist act. Mm. We're about to do the same thing with misogyny. No, it's not. And particularly English law depends, always used to depend, on the objective test of evidence. Mm. Mm. But we're rejecting that. Mm. And so that really is, that is cultural suicide. The thing is, uh, when, I keep returning to this, obviously, because it's been such a huge uh, event in your life. And, and no, it's not. So you're vastly, really, this is rubbish. You're wholly exaggerating it. Right. It was the behaviour, you know, there's a wonderful passage. Sorry, it really is important we get this yes. right. There is this wonderful passage in Burke uh, when he talks, this is the height of the French Revolution, about a lot of noisy grasshoppers making a tremendous Twitter. Whilst the great comfortable, he calls them the great cows, the great beef of Britain, sort of contents, you know, contentedly chews its cud underneath the spreading British oak, whilst a lot of go on. That's what it is. And it's it's no accident 
um, it, it affects the world of the universities and particularly the world of arts faculties and the universities and, and aspects of the media. In other words, Peter, it's words, mm. words, words, words. Mm. Um, and so much of this is, and this is why I, I say it's a sort of cultural retreat. Um, the great triumph of and it's very much the triumph of Britain and England in particular, is the triumph of the inductive experimental test of mm. truth. The whole basis of modern science and technology, sort of its remote intellectual ancestor, I suppose, is Francis Bacon. Um, uh, but but the, 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 the test of, ob of, of objective truth and objective experience. And um, this is what separates us from the Middle Ages, where you had a science simply, there was a lot of science, there was a lot of philosophy, it was just words words, mm. words, words about God, words about nature, whatever. Um, uh, and we broke out of that stranglehold mm. with the test of objective truth. We've abandoned that mm. test, mm. which is why there's a sudden sense of going back to the Middle Ages. What I did um, in uh, what I did, I mean, nobody has ever been able to produce evidence that I have ever insulted anybody of color, that I have ever used abusive language about them. Um, I have lived in multicultural London for 40 or how long now? Uh, um, uh, 40 or not longer, uh, mm. since 1972, just coming up to 50 years. Um, there is never, I have never been involved. In other words, there is no objective test. I used a wrong, I used one word out of place. Oh, yes, no, no. No, I mean, no, 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 no. Yes. but, 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 but let, 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 let's really pursue this. Mm. This is, this is incomprehensible in save in religious terms. What we have done, religion as a woke has become a new religion. What I did was to commit heresy. Remember, heresy was a voluntary crime. It was the denial of the beliefs of the church. And if you denied your denial, you weren't burnt. So it was completely, you know, that unspeakable death of burning alive was a completely voluntary act. Um, and, uh, but it was all about words. And what we've done now, we've elevated language into this absurd um, prominence because we've cut it off from meaning. We've cut it off from outside experience. Everything is now just internal to people, going on inside their heads. It's a form of lunacy. I mean, it really, really is a form of lunacy. Recently, the only reason I explore it more, David, with you is the effect it has. That's all. Of course, I mean, it's had... No, what I mean is the effect it has on your life, for example, on, on all of our lives. I mean, you know, you've had, therefore, you know... A, a bad experience in terms of being yes, but sorry, but, yes, but but sorry, I'm I'm a stoic. That is to say, I believe that experiences are only bad if you let them be bad. Right. They want to damage you. Of course, they want to damage you. They want to humiliate you. Mm. Of course, they do. But they can only do that if you let that happen. Um, and um, this is what Peterson, in an extraordinarily cack-handed and clumsy way, is trying to say. I wish I made as much money as he did, but that's another matter. Jordan um, Peterson, um, you mean, yeah. um, but 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 it is stoicism that that you that that you the only thing you you cannot control the world. Mm. You cannot control what people say about you, think about you. You can control how you react to it. Mm. 
um, which is why I'm so contemptuous of victimhood. Um, victimhood is, is all about saying, um, because I am black or because I am disabled or because I am gay or because I am trans, I require the world to make all sorts of special allowances for me. What? Mm-hmm. What? Are you surprised that it's in the past year, because since we spoke, right, um, which was just at the very beginning of COVID, yep. are you surprised at uh, how quickly a kind of there's been in our institutions a kind of, we'll call it a capitulation if you want, or, or indeed just a sort of a failure? I mean, whether it's the British Library, whether it's well, right up to Kew Gardens now, you know, only the, only oh, this, this I mean, the British Library. The British, these institutions are scandals. I mean, the British Library actually dropped publishing an essay by me on Anglo-Scottish relations in the 16th century. Mm. Now, that's deranged. Mm. Mm. That is simply deranged. And for what is theoretically the custodian institution mm. of the central in this is you know the British Library really is it's equivalent of the Great Library of Alexandria. Yes, it's it is it is the custodian of the record of our civilization, and it betrays it. It betrays every single principle. Um, at last, I mean, there is a government. The government has shown some faint stirrings. Now, I think. So far, I've been being fairly pessimistic. Let me now slightly reverse direction. We've had a most interesting incident which suggests that things are going in, that there is a limit to all of this, which is, of course, uh, the Meghan and Harry interview. Mm. The Meghan and Harry interview uh, deployed all the tropes that I've been talking Mm. about. Mm. Um, The the disgraceful, unsubstantiated... carefully sprayed charge of racism. Yes. The the, the question of skin colour. Above all, um, you know, I've been a victim of mental illness, risk of suicide, Mm. all of these things. And what's fascinating, particularly disgraceful reaction of the times, you know, fundamental crisis for the monarchy, Mm. a a dagger pointed at its heart. It's been forgotten in 10 days. But um, the, and the, the uh, and the um, um, the Brit- in Britain it of course polarized opinion in very much the same way as woke has done um, the young mm. bits of the Labour Party though we saw Keith Starmer desperately legs being dragged ever wider you know he'll finish up being torn apart it's going to be very 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 entertaining to to watch it'll be very painful for him and very amusing for the rest of us but but being pulled apart on on uh, by white by the wild horses of of trying to get the red wall back and trying to keep Diane Abbott on side uh, on the other it's exquisite mm-hmm. watching him uh, being pulled between the two so there were all those forces on one side and then it was that Burkean analogy that I gave you before. Yep. There were those lot, and the great mass of the British public shrugged its shoulders, said she is um, an intriguing little word that I would not repeat that I would not repeat in front of a family audience, and shrugged its shoulders, mm. and continued. So the mo- the moment you get the opportunity for a genuine test of public opinion, mm. the dikes are held. The problem, the, pro- the, pro- the problem is this, the problem is this, that we have corporate woke, mm. 
We even had an attempt at royal woke. Mm -mm. There are aspects of Prince Charles and Prince William that flirt with wokery. Mm. And it is whatever it touches, it destroys. It is an absolute rule. Whatever it touches, it destroys. And of course, it's infected uh, the uh, human resources departments of virtually every company, mm. of every profession, um, of, um, as I was saying, learned societies, the Royal Historical Society, under the disgraceful leadership of Margot Finn, signs up to the most extreme version of Black Lives Matter. Mm. Just, just what are bodies doing that? Mm. The thing is, I mean, we we have important we have permanent secretaries in the civil service mm. concluding uh, official memoranda with that. You mm. know. Oh yeah, what? so that's what, that's everywhere now. Yeah, what? This, no, but, but but it is a scandal. Mm, mm. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry. It it is it is a genuine scandal. Mm. It is, in my view, it is every bit as bad as putting a swastika. Mm. With uh, Harry and Meghan, you're pretty much saying that this is uh, something and nothing, that it sort of will go. I mean, I think it has done. I mean, I, the, the, um, the, the, the only thing that would change it, right, very interesting. I mean, I know an awful lot about this from the inside, Peter. I used to work with CBS, would you believe, right. giving, giving you a sense of right. how the world has yeah, changed. Yeah. I was their principal contact for Royal Matters until 2017. Wow. So I've worked with all of them. I've 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 worked with Susan Zarinsky, the producer of it. I've worked with Gail. Whatever of the she, interview. Yes. Oh, right, okay. So all of these people mm. I know absolutely from the inside. Um, and uh, there was the what Gail came up with the remark um, because clearly acting as Meghan's spokesman, uh, they have emails to prove every point. Mm. If those emails are published and they prove every point, then the monarchy is in serious trouble. Until that moment, it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't matter domestically. The only thing I would say is that uh, the way that the Americans have taken that interview to heart. Yes, well, I mean, but, uh, but America is split in exactly the same. Sorry, I mean, it's not Americans. It's the American left. Mm. Um, remember, um, the America is completely split down the mm. middle. Mm. Um, there's a piece by my friend in The Spectator by Lee Cohen, um, as we're all doing plugs, uh, 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 Lee Cohen in The Spectator, pointing out that the genuine, the, the division in America corresponds precisely to Democrat uh, versus, um, versus Republican. Um, and uh, you you see this everywhere. I mean, you know, the, the whole debate about which we haven't really talked about uh, the, the whole debate about the response to COVID mm. um, replicates these lines of division. Uh, the the most the most obvious indicator of them in British politics is whether you voted Remain or Leave. Yes, um, yes. And that line, those lines, every issue was polarised. Mm. But but we're dealing with a society, both Britain and America, which is divided, you know, on on a barometer line around fifty percent. Mm. Mm. Yes, it, it, I suppose in the long term, though, uh, before we leave the, the, the monarchy and go on to COVID, I do want to ask you, because you, yeah, yeah. the things you said about COVID before really resonated. Uh, it was something you wrote in The Critic, actually, yeah, yeah. as well. But with the monarchy, um, okay, this might be a sometime thing, comes and goes, but do you think that, what is the outlook, do you think, when the Queen's no longer there? What do you think is the outlook? Do you think we'll have a... 
Well, no, but no, no one can say. I mean, the, I always say this. You know, history only works in one direction. It only yeah. works backwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, a famous, um, uh, famous T. S. Eliot quote. I was very, very fine Beckett um, uh, in Murder in the Cathedral with all with all the tensions and hypocrisies as a schoolboy. Um, the uh, I can still remember that gesture. Uh, oh, good, good, my producer said. More of that, um, and, and it was my knee, of course. Um, the, uh, uh, um, only in retrospection can we say that was the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it's relatively safe. Um, I also think that what we're forgetting is that my guess is that there's a bubbling reaction to woke amongst the younger, particularly well, well boys. Hmm. Um, um, uh, mm. I still have quite a lot of involvement with schools and whatever, and one is seeing a very marked gender divide on this issue. Woke has been, of course, of immense benefit to women, to girls. Um, it gives them all sorts of special privileges and advantages, which in the battle of the sexes, of course, they properly take advantage of, and boys are getting fed up of it. Um, I think that we will probably see another generation that comes along that will, uh, I mean, let's speculate, let's be really silly, will probably be violently right-wing and neo-fascistic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as we've yes. lost any notion of moderation and good sense. Shall, yes. we, get, shall we get on to COVID? Yes, yes no, I, I was going to ask, you, you, you made a very good, uh, uh, it seemed really plausible that the government had lost its nerve on a very particular weekend. Yes, it was a weekend of the 13th, 14th, 15th of March. And all it. the evidence has come up to prove that I am absolutely right. 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 Um, but um, it's the weekend. Uh, I know it was my last weekend in London. It was, I was, and it was, it was, it was extraordinary. On the Friday, I was at Covent Garden. It was the next to the last, I think, performance in the Opera House of Beethoven's Fidelio, mm. which of course is the opera about imprisonment. Mm. So it was, enti- it was entirely, and you realise something, it was a sell-out performance and it wasn't, there were empty seats. Uh, I went to the pub afterwards and thought, oh God, I'm being a fool. And I got out, you know, hastily mouthing down half a pint and got into a cab and came home. And that weekend, everything changes. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 uh, the figures of deaths multiply from t- some tiny number, you know, like 30 to 60, but they double. Uh, you get, we now know it's the weekend when Professor Lockdown, when Neil Ferguson's absurd, preposterous predictions. Remember, nobody has ever been more wrong about everything yeah. than Neil Ferguson. Yes. He was wrong about, uh, he was he was wrong about BSE. He was responsible for the disgraceful overreaction to foot and mouth. I remember the countryside filled with smoking carcasses. Mm-hmm. It was disgusting mm-hmm. and disgraceful. Um, and But the government panicked. And of yeah. course, the panic was was exacerbated uh, by, 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 isn't it nice, Macron has had to go into another lockdown, by Macron saying, that if Britain didn't follow suit, the borders would be closed. So they panicked that weekend. Um, and they go from what would have been a very sensible series of reactions to a grossly silly one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's silly in every way. And again, you can look at reasons. We've also, again, uh, the, comments that, uh, the comments that have come out with, with Dominic Cummings. Mm-hmm. Um, Cummings, is, Cummings is both very bright and a fool. 
Mm. Uh, he is a historian who thinks he understands maths, which plainly he doesn't. Mm. And one of the reasons that the government fell over and worshipped uh, at the shrine of, 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 um, of Neil Ferguson uh, was mathematical modelling. Mm. Mathematical modelling is mathematical juju. Right. Pure juju. Yes. And, but, the, but the government were suckers for it because Cummings was a sucker for it. Um, and, and the final thing is, well, there are, no, it's not the final thing. There are many more. Um, there are two other really important, there were two other really important things that happened. Uh, one, of course, is NHS worship. Mm. Um, the Tories had uh, tried to be, and tried to present, and as a very important part of you know, the Red Wall and whatever, themselves as the party of the NHS. Hence that preposterous slogan, protect the NHS. It's when the NHS is here to protect us. The, the, and and you know, the, the, the criminal, I mean, in my view, it is criminal. And I'm not using the word lightly. The clearing out of 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 of, of, of people into care homes mm. um, to free up beds in the NHS, turning the NHS into a national COVID service. But that's all water under the bridge, I'm afraid. But uh, when we look um, at oh, it, like... sorry, the, fi the final, mm. the final catastrophic error. Here again, we've got a prime minister who once wrote a rather bad book on Churchill. Um, and Churchill, of course, has very intelligent things to mm. say on most things. Above all, scientists. Churchill was fascinated by scientists. Um, he had a pet one at Chequers, um, the, um, the professor. Uh, but he said something very interesting. You want your scientists on tap, but not on top. Mm. And what we've done with SAGE is to put sciences on top. Yes. Catastrophic. You can see why. Yeah. They're, they're, they were effectively there as camouflage cover. Yeah. But, the, 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 the but then it gives them a veto on policy. Yes. The situation now, though, is that, I mean, the, the kind of anti-lockdown argument, uh, put it broadly, uh, sort of lost, didn't it? I mean, the people, people are kind of... You know, Peter, I think Peter Hitchens sort of says, well, we, we sort of lost, you know, it's time and events has gone on to such an extent yes. yeah, now yeah. that we're sort of like, this is what it is. Um, but of course, remember, it is, it's still important to register how catastrophic it is. Yeah. We may have lost the argument. We shouldn't have lost the argument. I mean, look at what a disaster mm. it is. It is the point that I made before, Chinese virus. Chinese society. Mm. A lockdown is something that only a dictatorship can impose. Yeah. And that's why we did it so badly. Mm. We did a really bad lockdown. Mm. In China, when there's lockdown, if you stray, I imagine you're machine gunned, or you're certainly manhandled back in. I gather the door, or a steel bolt is put on the outside of oh, the door. Yes. Yeah. Um, that yeah. is what happens. Yeah. We, we do a shambolic, incompetent version with, with preposterous, bumbling British policemen, you know, uh, uh, underreacting one day and overreacting the next day. Um, but it is utterly destructive of everything that makes us what we are. We've lost the moral argument with mm, China. Mm, mm. We've lost the moral argument. And of course, the whole lockdown approach um, reinforces everything that I was talking about, about ignoring evidence, um, uh, ignoring the importance of freedom. We've discarded the notion of freedom. It's the only thing that distinguishes us from China. It's we've, sort of we've, we've, we've thrown it. We've thrown, it, we've thrown yeah. it away. But we know why we've thrown it away. We've thrown it away on two grounds. Sentimentalism. The Dianification of Society uh, from, from 1997 onwards. One of the things I found, right, I'm 76. 
One of the things I found most disgusting was every death is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. No, it's not. Oh, no, it's not. It's an act of mutual lying. Mm. It's a solving of the conscience, right? Um, so it's that gross sentimentalism. That's one of the one of the things that's gone wrong. And the other is the triumph of the precautionary principle, which we're seeing an awful lot of debate on in its exaggerated form in Europe, which of course has led to their catastrophe over uh, uh, over the whole in, uh, the whole in inoculation vaccination program. But it's the triumph of the notion of safety. Mm. And there's a wonderful, wonderful phrase of Benjamin Franklin. You know that those who will sacrifice freedom for security will shortly lose both. Oh yes, and yes, we do, yes, no, but yes. but so he anticipated. Mm, mm. This is the the whole point. The situation that we're in now has been repeatedly anticipated because um, it is a response to particular flaws in human nature. Again, the 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 the, the, the way in which all these things interconnect is what I'm trying to say. Is all these things interconnect. Oh yes, yes, they, they yes, absolutely yes. interconnect. Yes. which is why a sense of genuine civilizational mm. gloom is appropriate. Um, the the um, that that it is it is odd. Civilizations die from inside. They die from inside. And once you lose confidence, mm. you see, the great argument, I mean, the, the, the previous great death of a civilization is the death of the classical world. Mm. And of course, Gibbon's great decline and fall of the Roman Empire is very interesting. What's it attributed to? Mm. Christianity. Mm. It attributes it to a philosophy that was the direct opposite of what had made Rome great, of which you know, is famously described by Nietzsche as a religion for slaves. Mm. Uh, and I think it's right. I really do think that is right. Um, uh, and I'm afraid, you know, by doing what we've done, we've embraced slavery. You're writing at the moment, aren't you, David? I'm I'm back safely in the Tudors. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I thought you were writing a memoir. Well, I'll be doing that too. Um, uh, but I'm essentially... No, I'm safely back in the Tudors. Right. Again, you see, this is... I have this permanent intellectual uh, refuge. I, You become... As you get older, and partly, I suppose, thinking of memoirs, you become aware of what you were when you were young as well and... and relationship of that person then and this person now. And one of the books that most influenced me when I was a very young man and was terribly pretentious and was determined to be an Oxbridge Dom, terribly important, learned conversations in, in panelled rooms and passing of port and decanters and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then I came up to London and rather discovered the leather seat and forgot all about it, you know. But uh, the... <laughs> But the 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 the, 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 the uh, if I'm not careful, I'm going to forget what I was going to say as well. Uh, um, uh, with the, with the church, one of the books most profoundly influenced me is the Microcosmographia Academica, which is this piss take of academic politics written by one of the great geniuses of Trinity College, um, F. M. Cornford, Francis Cornford, the great classicist, and Cornford. Uh, the memoir is utterly brilliant on the analysis. You, you 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 know the, uh, the the wonderful phrase about you know why why uh, academic politics is so vicious because the stakes are so, so small. So well, like, it's yes, the it's yes. it's twenty six mm. brilliant mm. pages of its mm. Edwardian prose. So 
it's, it's Oscar Wilde, but it's utterly, utterly, completely brilliant. Phrases like, you know, uh, the, the, those who speak at the union develop the habit of addressing their uh, their best friends as though they were a room full of stupid reporters. You know? mm. This this kind of wonderful, wonderful. But there is a marvellous section in there that, uh, you know, you will go on, you'll become an academic politician, you'll become a vice chancellor, you will be hated and loathed. Um, and then maybe if you're fortunate, you'll return to the things of the mind. Mm -hmm. You will go back to what you started off being, serious research, serious thinking, and you will finish up with the joys of a clean, muscular intelligence. And nobody will want you out of the way, and nobody will want to get rid of you. And there is that sense of, I've always loved the processes of historical research, of analysis, of tight documentary analysis. It was how I, you know, it was how I was picked out at Cambridge. Uh, there was that extraordinary moment in my seminar with Elton, who was the great historian of this, um, when Geoffrey was going on, I think this is such and such and such a document, and Starkey's hand went up and said, terribly sorry, Professor Elton, but you are wrong. Right. The atmosphere <laughs> turned, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was. Yeah. And I was able to tell him why he was wrong. Uh, but you see, at that point, he was still big enough to see that as good, not bad. Mm. Later on, he became small-minded and tried to defend youth, his own youthful abs absurdities, the Tudor revolution in government uh, and whatever. So you see, I've had this experience of fall before. I was the subject of a lecture at Cambridge uh, given by um, uh, uh, John Morrill, rather cruelly known as the moral majority, uh, uh, given by John uh, on, on Lucifer. You know, you remember the bright star of the morning who yeah. turns into the devil. Mm -hmm. I was Elton's favourite student and I challenged him and was driven into outer darkness. Why didn't I get that job at Cambridge? <laughs> um, so I've been here several times. And providing, providing you retain that inner confidence, mm. providing you have something that... Remember, nothing is important. There is that wonderful, that wonderful phrase, which, which, which is, is almost certainly A.J. Balfour, you know, the Bob's your uncle chap, mm. because his uncle was the Marcus of Salisbury, Robert, uh, Robert Salisbury. And nothing matters very much, and few things matter at all. That is true. Human values are our invention. We make them. Things matter because you make them matter. There are no external forces. There are human beings. And all that matters is if you have that confidence and you have that belief and you have that, that sense of the recognition of not the external worlds of feelings, but something else. For me, a good scientist, it's what goes on in his laboratory. For a good mathematician, it's his sons. Mm. For a good historian, it's the document. As Geoffrey Elton at his best always used to say, there are no authorities in history, there is just evidence. Well, David, look, on that note, um, with the book, you're, you're just going to write a memoir, or you... Uh... Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, it is, it, much of it is done. 
Oh, is it? Um, well, you um, must come back and talk to us. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think I would prefer to get the two. The, the, the what I'm doing is I'm writing. Um, I, the reason I was having such a struggle with resuming my Henry VIII biography after a rather good start um, was I couldn't work out how to get back into it. Yes. And I now know why. Um, what the book is going to be called, it's going to be looking at something that is of crucial importance, the relationship between Henry and his father. Right. It's going to be called Henry Tudor and Son. It's rather nice, right. you know, right, like, yeah. a f like a firm of undertakers. Yes. Henry, Henry Tudor and Son. Uh, and it's stolen, of course. Mm. All things are stolen, aren't they? It's stolen from dear old S.T. Bindoff, who was this tedious old professor at Queen Mary College when I came to first came to London and he had a chapter of his rather bad book on Tudor England called Henry Tudor and Son but it's a very good title and that's how right. I'm tackling it and it's wonderful do you know and we can can I end on the advertisement yes um, the do you know we don't actually know the date on which the most important marriage in English royal history takes place we don't know the date on which Henry the seventh and Elizabeth of York actually marry I oh, can right. prove that the date that's in the books is a fake. Oh. With a single document. Okay. A single document, a single piece of evidence. And that's the excitement. It's the excitement of the chase. David, thank you very, very much. Real pleasure. Thank you. Uh, that's it for what you're saying is this week. We shall see you next time. Thank you very much.